church. Today we are in Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Oh, man. Well, the room is still full, so that's great. Um, I don't think many pastors in America, I prayed for two things this morning. I was like, Lord, let me speak clearly and don't let too many people come. <laughs> I don't think many people pray that prayer. Lord, forgive me. Um, we are in the book of Daniel. We've been here for a while. Let's set the stage for where we are so we know what's going on. Man, it's, I'm so close to you guys. I love this. Usually everyone's like way far away. Now it's, I can spit on you. Um, but not, I won't, I won't. Um, but uh, I'll back up. So, when Daniel was a boy, he lived in his home nation of Israel. He grew up in Jerusalem, the capital of this great nation. But at this point, when Daniel was a boy, his nation was declining. They weren't the world power they once had been under David and Solomon. This empire of the North Babylon is growing in power and in strength, and they come over, they knock on the walls, and like, we're going to crush you. There's a little war. Israel loses and becomes a vassal of Babylon. Part of the treaty, after losing this war, was Babylon took some of the young scholars of Israel and brought them to Babylon to serve in their palace, in their universities, in their high positions. So Daniel goes. Daniel is this young boy. 15, 16, brought to Babylon, begins to serve this foreign power. He is in exile. He is an immigrant. He is a slave. But God is with him. And through his life, God always favors this. He goes into a man, he begins to gain favor under King Nebuchadnezzar. Eventually, King Nebuchadnezzar will worship the God of Daniel. He'll worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He'll worship our God. The king of Babylon, at the end of his life, bows the knee and praises the God of heaven. But all great empires fall, even Babylon. Persia comes in and topples Babylon, and Daniel survives the purge. Daniel's an old man. He's ready to retire. He's ready to, well, man, God, I have put in my years. I have put in my time. Just let me sleep. But God ain't done with old man Daniel yet. 
There's a new king, a new regime, a new empire, and still Daniel has work to do. Beginning in verse, chapter 6, verse 1. It seemed good to Darius, the king of Persia, that he set 120 satraps over the kingdom, that they would be in charge of the whole kingdom. So Persia's growing. Under like Artaxerxes and some of his crew, Persia expands mightily. Well, how do you rule a kingdom that is so expansive, so wide? Darius has an idea. Darius goes, you know what? I'll put these like governors over each province, these satraps. I have 120 governors who watches over all that I rule. That's a lot of direct reports, though. If you've seen an org chart, you don't want 120 direct reports. So the king decides this. He goes, and over these 120, he would put three commissioners of whom Daniel was one. And the satraps might be accountable to them, and the king might not suffer loss. So over the 120, there is three. Three regional managers. If you know business, regional managers get paid more than the local guys. They have more authority. More in the org chart, there's the satraps, the regional managers, then there's the king. Now the king only has three direct reports. The king's life has a lot of room for grapes and napping and saunas. What kings like to do. Daniel is one of these three. He's not one of the 120. He's one of these three regional manager guys. High position, high authority. What happens next? Then this Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and satraps because an extraordinary spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the entire kingdom. The king has an idea. You know what's better than three direct reports? No direct reports. What if I didn't have to do any work at all? I could buy a shop, I could buy a restaurant, put like a, a manager in charge of it, and I could sleep all day. Well, who could I trust with such authority? Who do I know that's not going to rob me blind? That's not going to you know, go into the till and take the money? That's not going to be corrupt and hurt people and be unjust? Man, this, this, one of my commissioners, Daniel, this old man, his character, his faithfulness, I can trust him. Everything he does, he does well. I'm going to raise him up. It'll be Daniel, three commissioners, 120 and the king's life and my life is going to be great. Daniel's star is rising. He's going to be the CEO, CFO, super leader of the corporation called Persia. Now, we'll start by saying this. Why does Daniel is not Persian? Daniel is not only a foreigner, he was a slave of the guys he just beat up. How did Daniel rise up so far and so fast? I want to say this to us to begin. God's way is the best way. Daniel's a man of God. And Daniel, when he goes to his profession, his work, the place he gives his time, he decides, I'm going to be a godly man. I'm not going to steal. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to deceive. I'm going to be an honorable person of great character. And when he chooses to do things God's way, guess what happens? God's blessing falls upon him. God's favor flows to him. 
I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to qualify it. God's way is the best way. And when you choose to live God's way, you begin opening up the door of opportunity for God to bless your life. This is not a mathematical formula. God is not a vending machine, and God is not a genie. I'm not saying to you, obey the Ten Commandments, and God will give you a cool car. I'm not saying that. I'm saying when you choose to live God's way, not just like on Sunday, but in your business, with your family, with your neighbors. When I say living God's way, I'm not saying... <laughs> a lot of us think that living God's way means I believe certain things about political issues. Christians in America are known for our talk and not our lives. When I say do the God's way, I say when you go to work, you look like Jesus at your workplace. Daniel is so faithful, has so much integrity and character, the king trusts him. He does things God's way, and the door is open for him. My application for us for this truth is very simple. Be a godly worker. I am a pastor. I like it. I do. God called me to this. Whenever I meet someone who says, I feel called to the ministry, I always give them the same piece of advice. Every time. If you want to go into full-time ministry, I always say, if you're good at anything else, do that. That's what I always say. Thankfully, the Lord didn't make me good at anything else. So... Life is good. I'm just, I'm just being silly. But here's the reality. As a pastor, I'm very insulated. If you work a job, guess what? You rub elbows every single day with people who are far from the things of God. They don't come into this church. I don't engage with them. You're the closest light they'll ever see. And you're with them every day. You are with people, listen, when I was a substitute teacher here in the city of Flint, when I first moved to Flint, I had to work a job because the church had no income. So I was subbing at schools in Flint, and I'd meet the teachers and the principals and the other subs. And it's crazy, working alongside people, how quickly conversation happens. Relationships develop, because you got to be there, they got to be there, might as well get the best of it, and we become work friends. There's drama at work, there's politics at work, there's annoyances at work, and the world has rules for how they do business. My uh, master's degree, ooh, um, I, I, I went to school, I went back, but I got a degree in leadership, so I had to read all these like Harvard Business Review essays. Among business people in the business world, questions about ethics and morality, the responses of people in like CEO positions was really surprising because a lot of people, even if they go to church, even if they believe in God, when it comes to business, they have the attitude, all's fair in love and war and business. Christians who feel like if I'm in business, I can cheat someone to get ahead for my, me and my family. 
That's not how God would have us be a business person. Being a, a, a godly business person, being a godly worker means we are honest, we have integrity, we forgive people, even the annoying ones. It means if our boss is a monster, we still show them respect, not because they deserve it, because we love the Lord. And when you choose to be a godly worker, you're opening the door for God's blessing to fall upon you. Before I was in ministry, I worked jobs all over the place. I've been, in, I've been in retail. I've been in the restaurant industry. I did labor for one summer and said, Lord, anything but that. No, but I'm a hammer. That's tough. I don't know. Um, but uh, as I worked the jobs I worked in my life, I never, ever asked for a raise. But I always got, I always got them. Never asked for a raise, but always received raises. When I got my first job, I worked as a dishwasher at a little family uh, restaurant called Aldo's Carryout. I made $4.25 an hour doing dishes. I rode my bike five miles. You don't you love those old stories that old guys tell? I walked five miles in the snow uphill both ways. But listen, in those days, I was young and strong, and I loved biking. It was great. I'd bike with the wind in my hair, listen to my headphones and my sneaky tape Walkman. It was a great life. And I, do, and I, I thought to myself, I, I committed to myself, I'm going to be the greatest dishwasher this restaurant has ever seen. Not for the 425 an hour. Not doing it for the paycheck. Not doing it for the boss. I'm doing it for the Lord. Because everything you do, do to the glory of God. And so if you look back in the dish, dish, if you look back where the dishes were, all you'd see is a brown blur back there. And suds flying everywhere because I was moving fast, I was cleaning good, and I made sure my stuff was dried, stacked, and ready to go back out. Very quickly, a quarter raise, a 50 cent raise. One night, <laughs> I'll just say, I chose to honor God with how I worked, and the Lord blessed that. Daniel honored the Lord, and the Lord opened doors for Daniel. Now, again, is there injustice in the world? Yes, there is. You might do things God's way and still get smoked. It's going to happen to Daniel in a few minutes, so just know. But oftentimes, when you choose to be a godly worker, and not just a mouthy Christian, but a loving Christian, don't just walk in and yell at everybody and judge everybody, you live a life that looks like Jesus. And Jesus loved sinners. Love who we work with. Even if they're a mess, love them. Daniel, his star rises. He does things God's way because God's way is the best way and blessings fall upon him. But listen to this. Then the commissioners and the satraps began seeking to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to matters of the kingdom. So, the two commissioners, there's Daniel and two other guys. The two commissioners and the 120 all join forces and unite to find dirt on Daniel. In their mind, they're like, in their mind, how is this foreigner, how is this old Jewish man taking our stinking jobs? We should have the top spot, not this guy. They decided to hatch a theme to tear this man down. They're looking for dirt to pull 
him down and get him fired. Why would they do this? Very simple reason. They were jealous of his success. And that happens. Jealousy is real in our world. If you decide to make a change for the better, you may be surprised to find that not everyone's going to be happy for you. When you make, take that step of change and difference in your life, you may find instead of people cheering you on, all of a sudden some friends who used to be have your back, they're gossiping about you. They're mocking you, ridiculing you, because here's the reality of things. Haters gonna hate. Straight up. And their hate is not about you. It's about them. And we all do this. Jealousy poisons all of us. The Bible says that jealousy, it's like rot in our bones. I remember there's a group of us, friends, all big dudes. We used to go to Big Boy back when they were all over the place. The Elias brothers. We'd always order the Big Boy sandwich, fries. And when we were done, we'd order the best dessert known to man. The hot fudge ice cream cake. Some of you know, and if you don't, I'm sorry. We'd pound it. It was a good life. <laughs> one day we'd go to Big Boy, and one of the brothers, one of the guys, doesn't order the Big Boy sandwich. He orders a salad. Doesn't order a Coke, he gets water. And for dessert, he orders nothing. And we're like, what's up? He goes, dude, I'm making a change. I want to drop some weight. I want to get healthier. Now, what do we do? Instead of going, bro, pound, you're doing awesome. We believe in you. You know what we do? We're like, oh, you think you're so awesome. Eating that rabbit food. We, we dogged him. This guy's going to change for the better. And instead of celebrating him, encouraging him, we dogged him. Why? Because deep down, we were all jealous making a change we didn't want to make. We all do this. When someone around us, their life goes to that next level, and if we don't get to go, if we're not going that same place, we feel deep down cheated, upset. That's why the Tenth Commandment is, thou shalt not envy, thou shalt not covet, not your neighbor's house, not your neighbor's family, not your neighbor's wife, not your neighbor's stuff. Because deep down, we all do the comparison game, don't we? How am I doing compared to that person over there? And if they're doing better, sometimes our heart grows bitter with jealousy. My wife and I, we married for a while. We committed and we got married. We don't have kids for five years. No babies for five years. Five years ends, we start praying for a child. Well, we end up going to a doctor who tells us, you're probably never going to have kids for these reasons. You have these conditions. It was a devastating thing to hear. Shortly thereafter, a good friend of mine, him and his wife, got pregnant. And now I have a choice. Do I say, Lord, why'd you give them a child and not us? I can get bitter at them, can I? I can get bitter in my heart and get mad at everyone else who gets the thing that I want and couldn't have. I had a choice to make in that moment. Was I going to be a bitter man or would I take the teaching of Christ to heart? Because Christ says rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. 
Christ says, when someone gets a blessing that's not you, be happy for their blessing. So am I going to be happy for them or sad for me? What's it, what, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? We had to make a decision, my wife and I, to choose we are going to celebrate with everyone we know who gets pregnant. Because children are a gift from the Lord. Now, the Lord did give us babies. You guys have seen them around. <laughs> One of them is right here in the front row. Front row! Uh, but uh, I, had a, I felt the jealousy try to take me. I felt it begin to rise up. Me, and listen, it happens, it happens with friendships. There's a book I read in high school called A Separate Peace. Anyone read that book by John Knowles? That's, it, the book is brutal. It's about two best friends, but, but between them, there's this competitive thing, and it burns their whole friendship down. Sometimes we compare so much, we contrast so much, we get so jealous, it poisons us. These commissions, satraps, Daniel rises, they don't, and they hate him for it. When you decide to make changes in your life for the better, you may find some of your old friends, instead of encouraging you and cheering you on, they may dog you for the changes you make. You might put down the bottle and not drink as much. Some of your old crew might make fun of you, call you a teetotaler. When I was in high school I, and I became a Christian for the first time, people, what'd they say? Called me a Bible thumper. Oh, you think you're better than us? I'm like, no, I just don't want to drink anymore. Haters going to hate. Now, for you, for us, we have to guard our heart against jealousy. And the way to guard our heart is to learn how to rejoice with those who rejoice. When people you know are blessed, you need to learn how to be happy for others. When you can rejoice with those who rejoice, you multiply your joy. Because other people's blessings become your blessings. If you're ever around me, I'll look at my phone sometimes, and I'll go, oh, and I'll yell. They're like, oh, what happened? Did you win something? you get a refund on something? I'm like, no, my good friend had a baby. Or my good friend got the job. Like, well, that's not you. Why are you so happy? Because I love them. And their success makes me so grateful. I don't need it to be me to be happy. There's a word in many of our mouths we say. Maybe someone you know is going on vacation. They tell you, oh, I'm going on a cruise. And we say the line, maybe at home, maybe in front of them, we say, must be nice. That has that little taint of jealousy to it. Why'd you get it and not me? Be happy for them. Listen, my wife and I, we, want, we, we tried to go on a cruise twice for our 20th anniversary. We booked a cruise to Russia, then they invaded Ukraine, so they got canceled. Then I booked a cruise to Israel, and you guys don't know how that went. <laughs> so they canceled that one. <laughs> so now everyone's like, don't book any more cruises. You have the touch. <laughs> I'm going to Hawaii. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so when someone tells me about a cruise, I could be like, stick it. I want to go on a cruise. You. But someone told me the other day, we're going on a cruise. And I was like, oh, man, where are you going? I was pumping them because I know how restful those ocean boats are, you know? <laughs> Friendships, it can happen with siblings. You ever had a sibling rivalry? Brothers and sisters? Mama loves you more. Oh, like, listen, jealousy will rot the bones. 
These people don't like Daniel because Daniel is rising up and they want to stop him. They want to bring him down. They want to find the dirt. They want to find the 10-year-old tweet and burn his life down. That's what they want to do. Verse 5. Listen to this, though. Verse 4, then the commissioners, the satraps, again, seeking to find a ground accusation against Daniel in regard to the matters of the kingdom. But they were not able to find any ground accusation or evidence or corruption. They could find no accusations. Inasmuch as he was faithful and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. They looked for the dirt and couldn't find it. Can you imagine? Listen, I know, I know who, I know us. <laughs> when I'm driving down, my, wife, my daughter and I were driving down the highway the other day, and there's a cop in the, the middle. And I'm going too fast because that's, that's how I drive. And my daughter goes, Dad, cop, slow down. And I'm like, Lena, you can't slow down. This is the brake lights, and that shows, that shows guilt. You got to pretend you're fine. You got to fly by them. <laughs> And your confidence looks like innocence. That's not good advice. That's just kind of, that's, that's what I told her. I'm like, ah! Now listen, in that moment, I'm afraid because I'm speeding. He has every right to go, could pull out and, and get me. Like, like I, if he pulls me over, do you want me to pull you over? I'm like, how long have you been following me? Uh, but uh, <laughs> the dirt is there to be found, right? I'm lit, if I get pulled over, I know, but I was speeding. I got pulled over a little while ago in... Lapeer? Where was I? I don't know. Somewhere down there. <laughs> I pulled a church truck. I had no insurance. I had no, my tags were expired, and I was speeding. That was a bad day. <laughs> um, but we all know it's like to, like, to, like to, to, to hide something. We're hiding something. And somebody gets close to our secret. We're like, oh, no, what if they find my secret? What if they find this thing I'm hiding from everybody? We live in fear of our secret from being found out. Imagine if there's no secret. Imagine if there's no dirt. Imagine if there's nothing out there to kill you with because you've lived God's way. How awesome would that be? Daniel, they tried to find the dirt. There was no dirt to be found because here is a truth. Living God's way protects us. When we live our life God's way, there's this word that we love called integrity. Integrity is a math word. Did you guys know that? It comes from the word integer. Same root. What's an integer, Nesso? Do you know? Oh, I thought you were in math. I don't know. An integer is a whole number. Okay? Ba-pow! Now, integer is a whole number. Integrity means you're a whole person, which means you're the same person in private that you are in public. There's no mask. You are you. You're you with your mama. You're you with your friends. You're you with your spouse. You're you wherever you go. That's integrity. You're not changing. You're not cheating. You're not changing for anybody. Daniel's a man of integrity and character. We try to find out where's the sin, where's the hidden sin. There was nothing to be found. In my house, I'm not saying I'm clean. I tell you guys the things I do wrong. You guys know. I sometimes, almost, I sometimes think about my preaching. 
I preach a lot about my driving stuff, my uh, violent fantasies. Uh, like, if something ever happens, the cops like to pull my sermons up, and I'm like, I'm going to prison. Uh, <laughs> like, like, I wonder about that. But I'm working on things. I'm, I'm, I've not, I have not raced a train since I told you guys I raced a train. The Lord, the Lord moves. Um, but my home, like for my, my phone, for example, my phone, the kids play on it, my wife takes it. I'm not afraid nothing, no one finds nothing on there because there's nothing to be found. There's no seeking private DMs with some other person. There's no like, things looking at that I'm afraid the kids are going to pull up an accident. It's not stinking there. Someone goes to my phone, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. There's this new joke I've been hearing. Uh, back in the day, in 80s movies, you get shot. The, the guy, the hero would come back for his buddy, and the buddy would be like, Go out without me, you know? It's like, oh, I remember you. They leave him. Um, but now the joke is, the dude gets shot, and he's laying there, oh, oh, you know, young buddy, oh. And they go, erase my web browser. You know what I'm saying? That's the, that's, that's the, now, that's the line now. Because everyone has this dirt hidden everywhere. Daniel had no dirt. And when you live a life to the Lord, it's, and you know what? I'm not saying be perfect, because I make mistakes, but when I make mistakes, I confess those maybe to my wife or to my accountability partners that I have, so that my sin is known by people in the world. There's going to be no surprises at the funeral, you know what I'm saying? When you live God's way, both in public and in private, there's no dirt to find to burn you down. A lot of us give Eight of the things to God, but these two are mine, and I'm just going to keep on eating it, you know? We give nine of the ten things to God, but one of the things that's my baby, I just can't let it go. That's my addiction, that's my sin, that's my baby. I don't, I don't want to give this over to the Lord. They try to knock Daniel down, they can't do it. His integrity and character protected him from their accusations. I want to encourage you to live God's way. It'll protect you from the enemy. And lastly, this is what these guys said. Then these men said, these men said, they found no dirt. They say this, verse 5, we will not find any ground accusation against this Daniel unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his God. The only way we're going to get this Daniel is using his loyalty to the Lord against him. That's a good move. That's a real good, it's a mean move. There's no dirt, but maybe we can use his loyalty to the Lord against him. And sometimes they can. But I want to encourage you. Be a godly worker. Guard your heart from jealousy. I want to encourage you, if there is, if there is unconfessed, unrepentant, consistent, hidden sin in your life, it's time to tell someone and get help. Don't let the secret life kill you, because it will. That stuff comes out. One of the one of, one of the most influential Christian voices of my generation, an apologist with an incredible mind in ministry, 
When he died, his sin fell to the top, and it, it hurt the work of God. It hurt many believers. It hurt many people's faith. It, the truth comes out eventually. It does. If there's hidden sin in your life, it's time to face it and confess it and get the help you need to get clear of it because it will kill you. It'll kill relationships. It'll kill It'll kill you. With that said, let us pray together. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ. Every one of us in this room, we got dirt. We're not like Daniel. We got skeletons in our closets. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you see all the skeletons, you see all the dirt, and you love us anyway. This is the good news. Your good news is you love sinners, and we're sinners. You see it. You know it. But our prayer this day, we know you accept us, Lord. But Lord, our prayer is that you would burn this crap out of us. That you would change us from the inside out. That you would take these burdens and weights away from us. We would walk with you without these obstacles between us. Thank you, Lord, so much, Lord, for Daniel's faithfulness, for his character. It gives us, it, it gives us inspiration. So, Lord, we love you. Thank you for this day. In Christ's name, we ask all these things. Amen.